Hey guys, and welcome to the Finance Now podcast. This podcast is purely for informational and educational purposes, and it's my way of sharing my knowledge, research, and opinions with you. I'm Anurag Birla, and we are back after almost half a year. I needed some time off due to, you know, academic pressures, workload of just joining this new master's program, and obviously recruiting for internships over the coming summer for 2024. So I've been pretty busy with with all of that, and, you know, I've just needed some time to to adjust and settle in. But I I feel like I'm a lot more settled in now, I'm a lot more ready. So I I did want to get back into, into doing this, and obviously a lot has happened in the markets you know we've entered a new year after a pretty shocking 2023 and i i mean shocking in in a positive way you know i think at the start of the year there was a hundred percent prediction of recession happening if i'm if i'm not wrong and if we do go by what you know was predicted and what the markets did last year it was obviously anything but the so-called Magnificent Seven had an incredible year and thankfully so did my portfolio. Given that so much has gone on, it's it's a bit difficult to do a sort of wrap of everything we've kind of missed out. So I'm really just going to pick up, you know, from where things are currently in the markets. And, you know, as we're fully into earnings season, I'm just going to pick a few stocks that, you know, I follow and I've been tracking or own and just kind of dive into into those so the first one i i wanted to start off with was was netflix now netflix has been absolutely incredible since the start of the year shares climbed over 10 percent that day after reporting strong q4 earnings now revenue beat consensus estimates hitting 8.83 billion versus what was predicted as 8.71 billion for the quarter it, they showed a 12.5% increase in revenue compared to last year. And, you know, this was obviously positive signs from, from their password crackdown initiative that they launched last year. The inclusion and expedition of their ad tier and also recent price hikes and adjustments on certain subscription plans as well. So obviously all these initiatives that they've taken are coming into fruition and it's trickled down to the bottom line as well. I mean, earnings per share also beat estimates uh, coming in at $4.49 a share versus what was estimated as $4.09 a share. The stock, you know, close of this week is, is currently trading at about $570 a share. Now, that's an incredibly high valuation. And I think, you know, based on some of my research, uh, the general sentiment is that while subscriber growth may still occur going forward, the rate at which it happened in 2023 will not be repeated in 2024. So that speed at which subscriber growth occurred is going to subside and slow down in 2024. Intuitively, that that makes sense. You know, a lot of the catalysts that that cause this acceleration and this growth in subscriber numbers may not just be as effective as the year goes on. I mean, I think we've, well, Netflix have managed to squeeze out probably the most that they possibly can with this password crackdown initiative. I mean, it these are initiatives that tend to have a lot more traction early on and then kind of trickle down in how effective they become because they've just exhausted the the pool of their target demographic now because 
of this general sentiment and because of this outlook, I think some analysts and banks are skeptical and I'd like to single out Deutsche Bank as being very skeptical of Netflix and, you know, they believe or they're of the school of thought that, you know, all the good news for Netflix is priced in and for them, there's there's no where to go in which they can subscribe, in, in which they can surprise investors or, you know, show some sort of beat in earnings. And this is where I fundamentally disagree. I think in in an industry like this where content is king, Netflix have done incredibly well in being innovative and creative in the type of content that they release. And I say this after, you know, this week that Netflix has, they secured the WWE Raw deal, which a bit about the deal, it was a 10-year deal worth reportedly more than five billion dollars now what this partnership will do is it's going to bring wwe raw which is wwe's flagship program onto netflix's streaming platform beginning jan 2025 for the next 10 years now going back to that question that you know many people would ask where will netflix's growth come from i think this is it you know, this is Netflix's first big venture or their first big bet into live sports streaming, which is great. It's it's a market that's sort of untapped. You know, it's sort of still belonging to cable and broadband. So this is Netflix's acceleration into that space. And given that WWE is such a story-based form of sports slash entertainment, I mean, people can argue what it categorizes under, it just complements Netflix's business incredibly well in the sense that it's going to give Netflix the ability to produce more content around the storyline, around the, the general, you know, scripts and sentiments of what's happening in the story across the year for WWE. This is sort of what they've done with sports like tennis and Formula One, you know, with Breakpoint and Drive to Survive. They've created this almost sports documentary niche that we we see on Netflix now. And if you look at what WWE Raw is currently doing, um, they're bringing in 17.5 million unique viewers per year which is a big enough number to help propel more growth in Netflix's subscriber count, especially if there's not much overlap between, you know, the the 17.5 million viewers of WWE and Netflix's current subscriber base. WWE is owned by TKO Holdings, which also owns UFC. Now, I don't want to get ahead of where things are at the moment, but, you know, I, I just cannot help but wonder is this going to be a story for the future in the sense that yes right now wwe raw is scripted it's pretty much a form of entertainment not necessarily competitive sports but is this netflix's step into and segue into more live stream sports are they going to expand their demographic and are they going to you know bid for rights for the UFC or for you know any other sport and what this means for Netflix in my opinion is if they can lead through content creation new content would lead to new subscribers with new content also comes more ads and more ads 
along with more subscribers means more revenue and better profits for Netflix if they can remain operationally efficient the way they have been as a company over the last year. Right now, in in an industry that's been struggling so much, streaming has been struggling so much, all I can say is that Netflix have been firing on all cylinders. There is a clear expectation and sentiment for them to move into live sports and honestly given their current offering it just works content wise from my perspective i think this could even trickle into parts of their gaming segment i mean they own a fair number of games and that's not something that people are super aware of but if they do decide that they want to grow and create this ecosystem where the games can link into the content that they're posting as well as you know some of the live stream sports that they're posting I feel like the the ceiling is is a lot higher than we think for them and it's it's an exciting company to watch it's obviously an exciting time for them and they're just building off of their lead against some of the other streaming players now that brings me to another streaming service that I wanted to talk about or another entertainment slash media company that I wanted to talk about which was Comcast Comcast also reported earnings earnings this last week and they were strong. I mean their quarterly revenue topped estimates rising 2.3% to 31.25 billion compared to what was estimated to be 30.51 billion. Now their earnings can be taken as mixed news in some sense. I mean they lost broadband customers. However, the surprise was that they only lost 34,000 compared to what was predicted to be 61,000. It's still exceeding the 18,000 that they lost the last quarter, so that number is growing, just not growing as fast as, I guess, you know, analysts would have predicted. I don't think this comes as a huge surprise, simply because we know that a lot of people are moving away from broadband and they're moving towards streaming, and I think that has been you know, an industry trend that we have been seeing. So to some extent, this isn't much of a surprise to anyone who's been following this company or this space. But if you look at the positives, you you tend to see several growth drivers in, in the way Comcast has reported their earnings. I mean, revenue of their streaming service Peacock rose more than 50%. It rose 56.5% from last year to hit over a billion dollars for the quarter for the first time ever. It surpassed 1 billion. It, To be exact, it hit 1.03 billion for the quarter. Now, their paid subscribers also increased uh, by 3 million to 31 million. Peacock deployed, obviously, a strong strategy, I think, this last year. I mean, they streamed the NFL playoff game between the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, Miami Dolphins, which, you know, subsequently became the most streamed event in U.S. history. That that was a big move. And I think that's showing that, you know, sports is also ready to move on to streaming platforms. The consumer is ready to accept sports on streaming platforms. And, you know, I think that's that's kind of why going back to Netflix and their strategy, I think it all fits into where streaming as an industry is heading. Their content 
Comcast's content and experiences segment also reported a 5.7% increase in revenue uh, up to $11.5 billion. Now, this includes NBC Universal. As a production studio, NBC Universal have had an immense year. I mean, they've had major hits from Oppenheimer to Super Mario Brothers the movie. And these titles propelled them to the top spot in terms of worldwide box office. Now, this is the first time since 2015 that Disney as a company is not on top. And it's a surprise. NBC Universal, I mean, given the mess that Disney are going through, maybe it's not as much of a surprise, but the fact that NBC Universal have knocked it out of the park with certain titles does come as a surprise. And, you know, alongside that, the revenue from their theme parks business also rose 12.2% to $2.37 billion, with attendance globally increasing. I think that's, you know, in Japan and in, in the States. The fact that their theme parks business is doing better despite macroeconomic conditions perhaps not favoring the consumer as much does come as a surprise to me and it's very impressive i think when you compare the the way comcast is being run to the way disney has performed over the last few quarters you can see a clear dis- discrepancy in in the standards in the level and in you know the maturity of the company within their streaming life cycle I would say for Comcast, overall, just a really solid quarter. They also raised their dividend, and they just look in good shape for the coming year of 2024 as well. Moving away from from streaming a bit, I wanted to talk about, obviously, a company I've lo- I, I love and I've spoken about many times, Tesla. Sadly, Tesla has been a bit of a disappointment in recent times. I mean, shares of Tesla fell 12%, wiping out almost $80 billion in market cap. Now, this was the worst, single worst day of trading in almost two years, and it felt the stock price fell to its lowest close since 2022. Overall, I think if you look at the start that Tesla has had to 2024 as a stock, it's been incredibly poor. And the earnings call pretty much sums it up. I mean, it was a dull, very downbeat call in the sense that sentiment for sales growth was pretty bearish. And despite, you know, despite an increase of 38% in deliveries last year compared to 2022, they still fell short of their annual target of 50%. Now, previous quarter results were disappointing to say the least. Revenue only increased by 3%, which was far below expectations, and adjusted earnings per share was down 40% from a year ago. Now, obviously, price cuts have a lot to do with it. This is the second consecutive quarter for Tesla in which earnings were a disappointment. So this is what I mean by they just haven't been doing well as a company recently, and they've definitely taken a beating in the market as well. And by disappointment, I mean this is the second consecutive quarter where earnings fell short of forecasts by by analysts. Now, Tesla's operating profit almost halved to 8.2%. Yes, this is not a surprise because we know that Tesla were, were cutting prices, cutting, you know, trying to gain more traction and trying to gain more volume versus more profitability. But this drop is huge. And I think the reason for this was it was driven primarily by 
their Cybertruck production costs. For, for, for this particular call, something that an analyst at Wedbush, Dan Ives, he, he tracks Tesla a lot, you know, talks about Tesla a lot. He's a big Tesla bull. But something that he pointed out, which, which really struck a nerve with me, was that nothing about that earnings call from Tesla's leadership gave any sort of assurance to shareholders in any way. And I, I completely agree, and it, it irks me to a bit. You know, there was no strategic direction provided on how Tesla are going to handle increased competition by Chinese companies. There was no strategic direction provided on what they're going to do with price cuts, their margin shrinkage, and how they're going to deal with fluctuating demand as well. And, you know, I say, of course, increased competition exists. I mean, Chinese EV manufacturers have picked up their game and namely BYD. I mean, BYD became the world's leading EV manufacturer last quarter, selling more cars than Tesla. And, you know, honestly, given this entire industry and sectoral picture, I feel like in this situation, Elon Musk told shareholders exactly what they wouldn't want to hear. What he said was something to the extent of Chinese car companies will demolish most other car companies in the world, if not for trade barriers. Now, to openly concede such a statement like that is shocking. It doesn't fill a shareholder with, you know, a lot of confidence in Tesla as a company. And, you know, it's just not it's just not a good look. It's just not a good look for Tesla's leadership. It doesn't say much about their belief in Tesla as a company as well. But I will say this increase in competition with Chinese EV manufacturers has sparked some you know, anti-dumping investigations by European regulators. And, you know, dumping refers to um, the sale of, of products at a much lower cost than what it was produced for in foreign countries. And European regulators exploring this could lead to higher import tariffs in, in countries in Europe on cars coming from China, which could help if if um, if Elon Musk, you know, decides to stay price competitive but i'm i'm not too sure on relying on these sort of regulations and trade barriers imposed in order to in order to show you know elevation and a, a, a strong thesis against the the market average or the industry average now during research i i also read somewhere that kathy wood and ARK, ARK Invest, has loaded up on Tesla shares, if I'm not wrong, it was $32 million worth of Tesla shares after the 12% drop. You know, and I'm not going to lie, I did add to my position too, but that's not too much because of how I think the earnings call went. I think you can chalk that up to just Elon Musk being Elon Musk and, you know, him kind of having that I don't care attitude and you know, it's more his personality, I think you could chalk it up to. But I added to my position simply because there are still a couple of catalysts that I believe could work in favor of Tesla down the road. And the first one I say is, you know, their their low cost vehicle that they're developing. I mean, this has been in the works for a while. They've spoken about it. There has been news about it. Now, the launch within the launch for such a product within the next few years could obviously ignite more traction that Tesla as a company and shareholders are 
looking for at the moment. I think the maybe not so much by maybe not so much by shareholders, but definitely by Tesla and Tesla's leadership. They expected Cybertruck to have that traction and generate, you know, some of that interest from from multiple multiple consumers, but I just don't think that has been the case i mean it obviously has not been the case but i think with this low-cost vehicle if they enter markets such as india if they enter markets such as indonesia these things could be this is what could separate them from some of their competitors owning a tesla at a cost efficient at a cost efficient price for the consumer is exactly what what they need and i think that's that's going to help them in their competition against chinese evs definitely going down the line and also in terms of adding adding more traction and sales to their to their name the second catalyst that i believe could work in favor of them is the lowering of interest rates and the hopefully improving macroeconomic environment now this will help the average consumer in terms of affordability and spending power you know many people many consumers tend to buy cars through auto financing and obviously lower interest rates would make that entire auto financing process cheaper it would make their loans cheaper it would make their payback cheaper and you know that could be something that could also work in favor of tesla going forward and hopefully these are things that could surprise the market in in some of their consequent in some of their consequent earnings calls but you know i'm not going to hold on to hope for for this year i think the guidance and outlook for this year was pretty glum i think the price is probably not going to move too much this year but hopefully you know we'd be ready for a much much better 2025 i know it's just the start of the year and i don't want to look too far but tesla is definitely for me a long-term play not one that i'm willing to not one that i'm willing to get out of right now because i think there's a lot of value that this company offers the world and even though you know leadership may be very up and down to say the least i think they're they've proven that they're able to generate and produce an incredible product and they're very technologically driven um which is which is also why i believe in the company and i also believe in elon musk but i do believe he has to focus more on tesla as a company and perhaps not some of the other things he gets up to once in a while but you know i think that's part of his nature and tesla for me is is not something i'm i'm going to be getting rid of anytime soon Now that wraps up the earnings rundown for for this episode hopefully you know as i said earlier i can get into a more consistent routine now that i'm a semester in i'm more settled into singapore but you know i i I cannot promise that workload keeps changing but i will do my best that's something i can definitely promise and if you did make it this far in the episode i thank you for listening once again i'm really happy to be back doing this i'm honor abrilla and this is the finance now podcast